reading from the New Living Translation, the Word of God reads this way. O Lord, protect your people with your shepherd's staff. Lead your flock, your special possession, though they live alone in the thicket of the high mounts of Carmel. Let them graze in the fertile pasture of Bashan and Gilead as they did long ago. Verse 18, where is another God like you who pardons the guilt of the remnant, overlooking the sins of his special people? You will not stay angry with your people forever because you delight in showing unfailing love. Once again, you will have compassion on us. You will trample our sins under your feet and throw them into the depths of the ocean. You will show us your faithfulness and unfailing love as you promised to our ancestors Abraham and Jacob long ago. Praise God for his word. You may be seated as you take your seat. He can help me announce this to your neighbor. Tell them God's compassion. We're going to look at the God of compassion and talk about God's compassion. For us, compassion can be, as found in the Webster's Collegiate Dictionary, a sympathetic consciousness of others' distress together with a desire to alleviate it. Showing compassion is to show that you desire to help those you can who are not in the position to help themselves. We see someone drop, for example, we see someone drop their groceries, a child's shoes untied, a person with, uh, without a coat in the winter, or maybe hungry, starving for food, we will maybe move with compassion that we might buy them a meal, might give them a coat, might help them pick up their groceries because we had what? Compassion for them. And so when, when this moves you to be a blessing unto them, we can look how God saw us in a state of darkness, a state of confusion. We were lost. We were lonely. We were maybe even in rebellion against him, but he had compassion on us and he sent Jesus and said unto them that thus it is written and thus is behooved of Christ to suffer and to rise from the dead on the third day. We find in Luke 24, chapter verse 46, that God was moved. He was behooved that he had no choice because of his compassion to send Jesus Christ to die for us while we were still sinners. We find Romans 5, chapter 8, verse or, but God showed his great love for us by sending Christ to die for us while we were still sinners. Which, which brings this perspective, which brings us to our text for today. We, we find in our text, Micah, the ch children are recognizing that their, their sins to God, that they are God's chosen people. They acknowledge that the punishment, the pain that they're going through is because of sin. Can I help somebody else? Sometimes we want to blame other people instead of blaming ourselves. For the trouble that we're going through, realizing I'm in this mess because of my sin. We, we would like to blame somebody else. It's your fault that I'm in this problem that I'm in. But if we look at it, they realize that we're in punishment. We're in trials and tribulation because of our sins. And so what we find that even in the midst of this, they are able to rejoice knowing that God is a compassionate God. And it's worthy to be praised as they come to him with a repentant heart. If you look back in Micah 7, chapter, verses 8 through 10, New Living Translation says right this, Do not gloat over me, my enemies, for though I fall, I will rise again. Though I sit in darkness, the Lord will be my light. I will be patient as the Lord punishes me, for I have sinned against him. But after that, he will take up my case and give me justice for all I have suffered from my enemies. 
the Lord will bring me into light, and I will see his righteousness. Then my enemies will see that the Lord is on my side. They will be ashamed that they taunted me, saying, So where is the Lord, that God of yours? With my own eyes I will see their downfall. They will be trampled like mud, like mud in the streets. Oh, y'all should have been shouting as I was reading that. that we realize that no matter what I am going through, I serve a compassionate and loving God. Say, so I can sit down and take my punishment. Knowing that in the just time, he will defend my case. And those who were against me, my enemies that were fighting against me, I will see them stumble and fall. Because God is with us. So when we look at our text, when you find it there in verse 18, it says, one translation might say, who is like the Lord? What it's saying here is a play on the prophet Micah as he's praying unto God. The word Micah, his name means who is like the Lord. Who is like Jehovah. And so he's playing on his name when he says, who is like the Lord? God declares how great he is to Moses as he found in Exodus 34, verses 6 through 7. And it says this, and he passed in front of Moses proclaiming the Lord, the Lord, the compassionate and gracious God, slow to anger, abounding in love and faithfulness, maintaining love to thousands and forgiving wickedness, rebellion and sin. Yet he does not leave the guilty unpunished. He punished the children and their children for the sin of the fathers to the third and fourth generation. This shows God is compassionate and gracious. This also demonstrates that God is slow to be to anger and he's abounding, overwhelming, overflowing, has abundance of love and faithfulness. And this great love endures from years through generations to generations and time, even enduring rebellion because he forgives rebellion and sins. Isn't that a blessing to know a God that's like that? So the question again is, who is a God like you? As we look at this compassionate God, look at what he does. In at chapter, uh, uh, chapter 7, Michael, verse 18, look what he does. It says that he pardons iniquities. He forgives sins. Basically saying to pardon, basically is to lift up or to remove or to release. Iniquities basically is our sin, our rebellion, knowingly and unknowingly against God. God is willing to let it go. Willing to let it go. Have you, had, have you had that in a relationship with somebody that they have not forgiven you? They have not let something go? Every time a fight comes up, that's their go-to. That's their go-to move. They're going to bring it up. Remember that time? Why don't you just let it go? And the reason why, the reason why it's so hard to let it go, because we start thinking about how we, we were hurt, how much pain, how much trouble, and we're still holding on to that. But God letting us know that I look at you, I don't see pain, I don't see troubles, I don't see the heartaches, but no, I have letting it go. I now see whom I love. Who is a God like that? That he doesn't look at us and say, there they go again. No, he looks at him saying, those are my children. Those are my beloved. Those are who I'm loving. I have let it go. Y'all see that there? That think about a God like that that's able to forgive us and not condemn us. And how is that? Because he does not stay angry forever. You have some people that you know as a barometer how to check, check them out if they're still angry. You come to the house and you don't know what to say, so you don't say anything because you think, I think they're still angry. <laughs> 
I think they're still upset what happened the last time. And, and so we don't mess with it. But God says, I don't stay angry forever. Look, they understand my punishment is just. I deserve my punishment. But yet they understand that the God that is punishing rather show them love than punish them. Goes along with the saying how parents might say this to their children. If you ever said this to your children, you know, your ch and children, if you heard this before, y'all probably understand. I don't know what you're talking about, but they'll say that this is going to hurt me more than it's going to hurt you. Yeah, right. How's it you about to whip me with that belt? It's going to hurt you more than it's going to hurt me. And, 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 and that's what God is saying to us that, look here, I, I, can, I don't have to stay angry for it. It hurts me that you've messed up. It hurts me that I have to punish you, but I won't do it forever. Eventually, I will bring back and love on you and, and, and hug on you and tell you how much I care about you. How much more do we need to realize that, yes, when somebody hurts us, it's okay to be angry, but don't be angry for a long time. Angry isn't, anger isn't an emotion. I, I, I get angry when somebody steps on my feet, but what, do I need to hold on to it all day? Next day, you know you stepped on my foot yesterday. I'm still mad about that. Well, let it go. <laughs> but that's what some people do, that we hold on to stuff small like that, hold it on, and next time we see somebody, we want to curse them out. We want to tell them, and they try to find out, what did I do wrong? Because they have hold on to anger for a long time. But if we are supposed to be like God, to be Christians, to follow after Christ, we need to learn to let it go. Tell your neighbor, let it go. A God of compassion is showing us that he does not hold on to our sins forever. That he will punish us, but yet he will also rather show us his mercy. And the reason why is because what God delights in showing mercy. You see that? He delights in showing mercy. And so when he delights in showing mercy, look, what, look how the text moves in verse 19. And once again, you will have compassion on us, New Living Translation reads. God will have compassion. And, and look at what it means for God to have compassion on us. We were sinners. We were lost. Jesus was sitting at the well of the Samaritan, told the woman that if you came to me thirst, I would have gave you water, that you would never thirst again. He says, come ye all, you are, you are, are, are laboring and stressed, I'll give you rest. He says that I am the bread of life. <laughs> so he says those who, who hunger and thirst for righteousness, they shall be fear. What I'm trying to point out, that God is so compassionate that he looks that we are in so much need in our lives, he's looking to fill them up. He's looking, and, and look at the state. A person that shows compassion is the one that's able to help that person. Y'all catch that? Is the one in the position able to help that person? Our God is always in the position to help us. <laughs> Isn't that just good news? Just think about how when you go on a vacation, you might go to a hotel and it says no lifeguard on duty. It lets you know that you're taking your life in your own risk, that don't sue us, don't blame us, that somebody did not save you because you went into the pool because we let you know when you open up that gate, when it shows there's no lifeguard on duty. I'm so glad that as many times in my life I didn't read signs, I didn't know where I was going, but there was a lifeguard on duty. <laughs> Anybody here can testify to that? <laughs> that you went the wrong place, the wrong place, but yet God was still on duty? And he was able to redeem us, able to save us, able to bring us out because he has compassion. 
And so this compassionate God, look what he does. This compassionate God, God is shown in two signs that give us very poetically in this literacy. The first sign that's shown that this God is compassionate, that he's a victory. He's a victor for us, that he has victory. How does he have victory? That he tramples our sins. What is, how is that victory? Well, if you realize that how God has redeemed you, he's purchased your life, he has set you free, all that verb is saying that somebody else had control of you. You were a slave to somebody else. So he had to pay the price to purchase you and to set you free. And the one that had you under was not your friend. They were not looking out for your best, uh, your, on, on your best behalf. They were looking to kill, steal, and destroy. And they weren't just happy getting you. They tried to get everything that you loved most. They went after your children. They went after your husband. They went after your wife. They went after your children. They went after your aunts and your uncles. They went after your job. They went after your house. They went after whatever you can. Sin tried to kill, steal, and destroy. But God says, I will set you free from that. And look, I will tread it under my feet. Basically letting you know I am on top of it. I can destroy it. I can remove it from sight. I'm victory. And what it means to us that who Jesus says, who the Son says free. It's free indeed. We read in, in, in the Corinthians letter for Paul says, where the spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. So we realize that God has set us free. So now he's trampling over our sins. He's putting it out of our way. He removes it. He has defeated it. So it's under our feet. How much more do we think about things that, that we trample on, we don't care about? When we are walking on the streets and the sidewalks, do you look around to see what you're stepping on? No, I don't care what I'm stepping on. I got shoes. I'm stepping on whatever it is. Stephanie, if you go out, if you go out working in a farm, you're going to step all over this, uh, some stuff. Hello, somebody. But you don't look to see, I'm not going to step on all. I'm just stepping on all because it's all trash. It's all garbage. This needs to be on my boots. And you rinse off your boots when you go in the house. You don't care about that mess. God is looking at our sin the same way. I can just trample it over it. That I can remove it away from you. It has nothing to do with you anymore. This is nothing. Then you look back earlier what that says, how God would trample their, their enemies, those who, who came against so you see that You see that in verse 10? With my own eyes, I will see the, their downfall, and they will be trampled like mud in the streets. See, not only will God cause those who try to get us to stumble and fall, he would trample over, he will also trample over our sins. What does that mean? That also means this, that what he has defeated, there's nothing that can bind us again. That you can be liberated from having a cursing tongue, a lustful eye, a, a, a very deranged mind that God can renovate us and change us. God is a healer. He's a transformer. He's a redeemer. And the second illustration we see here is that this, that God will cast our sins away into the what? The depths of the sea. What he's saying here again is now that not only can he trample our sins, but also he will remove them from sight again and throw them to the depths of the sea. God, basically, when he does so, he does so basically not to bring it back up again. He does not go out fishing trying to find it. He lets it go. Some people, some people like to throw stuff away, but they don't throw it away too far. I'm going to forgive you this time, but bring it up again. I'm going to go get it. I'm going to bring it back. No, that's not the first time. I remember back when. I thought you forgave me. But God just throws it away. 
He's showing us that I don't need to hold on to this because this is doing nothing but holding you down. I want to remove it from you and let you go, let you be free, and let you know I see a new person in you. Because God has no reason to hold on. Uh, if we look in, in Corinthians 2, chapter, verses 5, 18 and 20, says, To himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation, that God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ, not counting men's sin against them or not imputing them and he has committed to us the message of reconciliation so th for them the mic in the old testament they realize that god has promised them a, a savior promised them a time of redemption now us and the new testament realize through christ we have redemption we have reconciliation we have our god that looks at us and no longer counts our sins against us but now that we are in christ because we love christ we confess christ god no longer holds these charges against us Think about it, to be pardoned. To be pardoned means you're no longer under that sentence that had you in jail. You're no longer under that sentence that had you in jail. God releases and lets us go. Pardon is better than being, being parole. Parole means you can go back. <laughs> I lost somebody. Parole means you can go back. You're still under sentence. You mess up, you're going right back, and you're going to fulfill that term. Pardon, you've been set free, released, remitted. Let go. God does not hold us on to a chain. He releases us and frees us. Some of us realize that when we forgive somebody, we still got a chain. I forgive you up to a little bit. I forgive you until you cross me again. I forgive you until I remember how much you hurt me. Then I will bring it back up again and I'll say I, I forgave you, but yet I'm still mad at you. No, you have not forgiven me. We need to realize that, yes, yes, we can become angry, but we don't stay angry. We don't stay angry. We see it right here. God shows us that, yes, he was angry, but he didn't stay angry forever. He'd rather show mercy. So we need to realize, yes, as angry as I am for what has happened, but I forgive you. Let me look, God, how I can show mercy to this person, that I can show compassion towards this person. Can I love on this person? Because one day it might be us in that same situation that we realize that we hurt somebody, but yet we realize as much as we hurt them, we don't need reminded that we hurt them. We need a reminder that we're loved. I think about how many times children, they do something wrong. They don't need reminded when they mess up. They already know it's right there in front of them. They didn't know that they're loved. They didn't know that they're loved at this time. And when they know that they're loved, they'll be happy to clean it up because I'm loved. I know I messed up. I'm crying that I messed up, but I, I can clean it up because I'm loved. So I'm okay. I remember that one day the daughter broke something and she looked at me and I looked at her and said, I love you more than that. It's okay. Yes, I liked it. I liked what she was playing with, but it got broke. I said, hey, I love you more than that. Don't worry about it. And, and I think about how God looks at us that many times we mess up in our lives. But he says, I love you more than that. <laughs> and, and, and it brings joy to realize, okay, I messed up, but God still loves me. Okay, okay, God, I'm going to do better now. Because of your love has encouraged me to do better. Think about how our compassion towards each other encourages us to do better while our anger towards them encourages them to do worse. That's why we don't serve an angry God. We serve a loving God. I, I, I heard this. I, I'm sorry I'm getting off text, but let me just drop this real quick for somebody that might hear it somewhere else and that you, you know that they're wrong. Someone will say this, that the God of the Old Testament is a wrathful, angry God, and the God of the New Testament is a loving God. Corre correction. Do not. I just read you from Micah. I just read you from Exodus talking about how God is compassionate and he's loving. How, how can he be a different God in one Testament and a different God in the New Testament? He's the same God. 
And what we find out here that this God is so full of much love that that's why there's so many songs somehow his love endures forever. There's one song that's all it says in a refrain, and his love endures forever. Oh, bless the Lord, of course, his love endures forever. So we said when it says his love endures forever, basically means that his love will never stop. And that's why he'd rather sow his mercy than his wrath. That's why he's able to forgive us when we hurt him, when we sin against him, when we rebel. We do all wickedness and evil things against him, against his people. God says, I am still willing to forgive you. Why is God willing to forgive? Because he doesn't hold grudges. He does not look to punish us forever. Nor will he hold our sin against us. Because we are in Christ now, he no longer counts them against us. And so look at this movement. Look at the verse 20. It says, you will show us your faithfulness and unfailing love. Just think about how he just walked through. He walked through already that God, who is a God like you, that forgives our sins, that treads under them, that throws them to the cast of the sea, who does not stay angry forever, but you delight in sowing mercy, either though we're being punished, even though we're going through trials and tribulations, even though we have, we have not been obedient to you, you're still, you're still a loving and a wonderful God. And then look how he closes out. We will again see your compassion. <laughs> we will again see that you are loving. You will show us your faithfulness and unfailing love as you what? Promise. What I want us to grab today is that our God is a covenant God. And since he's a covenant God, he will keep what he has said. God is not the son of man that he shall lie, nor the son of man that he shall repent. Will he not say and will he not do? Look for this. For God so loved the world, he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believe in him shall not perish, but have everlasting life. Y'all catch that? This is what God has done. Then God goes on to say about his son. I read earlier in the introduction that this is my son who I am well pleased. He's letting us know I sent my son to set you free. I sent my son to purchase your life with his blood. I sent my son to take on your punishment for your iniquity so that you can be set free. I sent my son to take on your shame, your burden, your sin, guilt, and he, and he bore our shame, and by his stripes we are healed. He did all of this for you. And so when we look at this, that, Lord, I am, I am deserving of punishment. I am deserving of shame. I am deserving of guilt. But God wants us to live a guilt-free life. Why is that? Because he's full of compassion. Think about why we feel guilty. We feel guilty because we're reminded of what we have done wrong. Isn't that when you feel guilty? You feel guilty when you are reminded of what you have done wrong. God wants to clear our conscience and say, yes, you have done wrong, but I've forgiven you, so there's no need for you to hold on to that. Oh, hallelujah. Isn't it good when you can let go of what's holding you back? Because sin has become an anchor. An anchor in a boat stops that boat from moving. An anchor in a boat stops that boat from moving. That's why they lift the anchor so that the boat can move. And, and, and to me, I think about this. As heavy as that anchor is, as heavy as that anchor is, it can move when it's lifted about the water. 
Think about because the boat carries the anchor and it can move, but when it lowers it to the sea, it cannot move. I'm not, I don't know anything about Navy nautical stuff, but I do know that when they lower the anchor, that boat doesn't move. But they lift up the anchor, that boat is moving. And so I start thinking about how much more that we lower stuff down. And we can't move. And we know we need, Lord, I need to lift it up. <laughs> Lord, I need to put it in your hands. And, and we realize this, that First John 1 and 9 says, God is faithful and just to forgive us. Of all our sins. But if you see before that, before you get this, is if we confess. We need to repent. We need to change and realize, Lord, I've messed up. Lord, I've done wrong. And I'm grateful, oh God, that I can come to a loving God. Not an angry God. Not a vengeful God. Not a God that wants to punish me. But a God that wants to show me mercy and love. That's the kind of God that brings people inside worship services because they realize that I may have messed up, I may have done wrong, but yet I want to know that I can do better and that there's a God that loves me. That's why we love that, that story about the prodigal son, to knowing that as much as he messed up, as much as he went, what did, the son, what did the father say to the son? He said, behold, my son was dead, but now he's alive. And if you look closely in the text, he says that to the older brother. He tells the older brother, you've been with me all this time. You've been alive with me. You've been living with me. You've been blessed with me. You have everything that's in my house. But my son that went away living a life of, of, of total disregard, he, has, he was dead to me, but now he's alive. Why? Because he's come back in fellowship with us, that he's back in the house. I'm so glad that we serve a God that loves us so much. He wants us to come back in fellowship. He wants us to come back in the house. How much more do we need to show that same love to somebody else? We've broken up. We fought. We had an argument. I cursed you out. I said things I said not say, but I forgive you. I welcome you back in this house. I want to have fellowship. I want to show the same love that my God has shown me to show unto you because I serve an awesome God. And I realize I can't do it by myself, but by the power of his Holy Spirit, I can be compassionate to you. And think how attractive that is. That when you become more compassionate, more people come to you. Because they want to get what you have. And you want to share with them, I don't have much, but he has it all. And so I know you want to get next to me, but you need to get next to him. And how you are just being a, just an agent of drawing them closer to you. As you draw closer unto God, they can see the God moving in you. So do you see how the, our God, who's full of compassion, has shown compassion unto us so that we can show compassion to others? And so as we move forward as one day to feed the world, think, think about this people out there in Haiti, down there who have nothing. We throw away half-drink water bottles. They don't have clean water to drink. We throw away a half-eaten Big Mac. They don't have food to eat. And so when we say uh, we can give maybe one day's wage, how we can give to this compassionate ministry, and look what these corporate dollars, corporate dollars will leverage that your $1 will be $7. That you can look through the literature that we've given, seeing how you can fill a pallet, how a pallet can go a long way in feeding a country. When, when they are happy just to have some rice and some beans for a meal. When they're happy that I can have a meal even in an orphanage, though I'm sleeping on the ground, but I'm happy that I have a roof over my head. And that I have filtered water, clean water to drink. 
that's how we can make a difference. And Lord, I may not be in that country, but Lord, I can send my resources to be a blessing to your people and let them know that their God loves them. And the beautiful thing about this is that they are excited to see Christians because it says this, it was Christians who came, not the voodoo priestess that came when the earthquake happened. They see the movement of God. They see his compassion. And how much more can we share that compassion without just one day's wage? And so as, as we, we're going we're gonna to collect this on this fourth, on fourth Sunday, Palm Sunday, so you can start setting aside a side. If you don't have it now, you can start setting aside away. Just think about how, how maybe $20 is, that means you did not go to Red Lobster today after service. How you can just set that aside. I'm going to leave y'all alone. And you can just set it aside and say, Lord, I give this to be a blessing, to be a blessing. Let's turn to our God for a word of prayer. Lord, we just come, Almighty God, is grateful for your compassion. We are grateful for, Lord, how you look after us. And, Lord, we ask you right now that you help our hearts, God, to be more compassionate, that we don't hold grudges, that we don't stay angry over little things, that we don't look to punish people, oh God, but we look to show mercy. We look to show forgiveness. We look to show how we can let it go, and we can love them and encourage them, Lord. And, Lord, help us, oh God, to be forgiven towards others as we want them to be towards us, oh God. And help us, Lord, to be confessing and be repentant, oh God, to have a remorseful heart when we've done wrong. And to acknowledge that wrong, Lord, and to accept the consequences, Lord, of our sins. But also, Lord, help us to embrace your grace, your mercy, and your forgiveness. And may we walk in that liberty that you've given us through our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, we pray. Amen. And we, may we stand and extend the hand of discipleship. If you can join with me to sing, Come to Jesus. We want to welcome there might be someone here who does not have a church home.